0: today. Mark Figueroa, how are you doing today? Good, French Open edition. Alright, I'm gonna turn your mic up, hang on. Alright, perfect. I think we sound great. This is episode 143 of the ATP Around the Post podcast. It's your boy Jay with Mark Figueroa, and this is, as you said, the French Open episode. Yes. Part one yes um so yeah exciting times uh, a lot has already happened in we're in like round two round three ish depending on when you're listening to this um a lot of great things are happening where do we start first off we're going to start
1: with venus she is a uh, 40 42 43 years old she has made an intent that she will play on grass so most likely she will receive a wild card to a tournament prior to Wimbledon. Uh, There will be news uh, later on. If she does decide to play Wimbledon, most likely if she's playing in Queens or uh, somewhere else, she will play at Wimbledon. What are your thoughts on Venus Williams playing a grass court event and then most likely playing Wimbledon?
0: Um, I would consider Venus Williams, a grass court specialist. I also think that Venus Williams is still relevant on the tour I think that she can still win a first-round match in any tournament she in- enters, whether it be a Grand Slam or 500-1000. So, this is awesome news, and I look forward to seeing where she's at these days, level-wise. So, yeah, that's good to hear. And, you know, what I'd really like to see is her play some doubles. Yes, that'd be cool. That's what I'd really like to see. I know she's not shy from doubles, and she does mixed doubles every now and then, depending on who she partners with, what event it is. Nick Curios again? Hmm. That'd be awesome. So yeah, we'll see. And absolutely, I'm sure Wimbledon would be happy to have her. She's like a seven time champion there, something crazy like that. Yes. So she um she definitely would get the wild card there if she wants it. So that's great news. That's good to hear. Yes. Uh,
1: <clears throat> for uh, moving on uh, to uh, Zverina, uh, prior to the French Open, she won her first tournament as a mom. Uh, she is she is still mm. in the
0: tournament. Uh, what are your thoughts on Zvitolina? Uh That's good news. I'm not I'm not a crazy engaged with Zvitalina person, but it's good to hear. You know, I love the, the storyline of when the WTA players have their baby come back to the tour and still are finding success because it's not as easy as it sounds. Yes. You know, so it's really impressive when they do that. So I, it's a great story. I love it. Yes. Uh, I, I was in touch with her uh, prior to her having the
1: baby. She was a top five. Yeah. Uh, she was consistent quarterfinalist. So I'm glad to hear that she won a title and hopefully she has a deep run for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, uh, Coco Goff has a very uh, interesting coach. Uh, mm. Martagalu is in her coaching box. Wow. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that Martagalu, if they make it to the quarters, do you think... He has the res- response
0: for Goff to finally beat Iga. All right, so here's the thing. Um, I don't know how long Martagalu has been working with Coco Goff, but I've been actually, and this is this is purely coincidence. But I've been doing a lot of research and watching videos and looking into Martagalu as a coach and what he's doing with players. And this is all just off of algorithm-based things on YouTube and stuff like that. I was watching some clips and a video popped up. And it was a master class video on how to hit the best drop shot possible. You know who was teaching it? Patrick Martoglu. Do you know who his student was in a video from two years ago? Holger, Holger-, Holger- Rune. Yes. Um... It was two years, one year. I'm not sure how long ago it was. It was right before he blew up. Um, And he went over just the the IQ portion, the technical portion, and the execution portion all with Holger. And then what's funny is this is right before Holger went in to play at the French Open and actually have a really good result as well. He had some pretty good play before losing. So um it gave me some insight onto Martagalou as a coach, the way he speaks to people, the way he explains things, the way his brain works. And he seems like a great solution to the Coco Goff problems. He understands the game as a player and he's able to communicate things in a polite, respectful way to a high level athlete. And I think that. Uh, I'll just say this just to say it. One of his tips that I thought was very interesting was when he was talking about the drop shot. He said the only time you should ever use a drop shot is when your opponent thinks you could hit over the top of the ball instead. It's a very simple statement, but a very intelligent one. And he also said what that means is you should never be hitting a drop shot unless you're inside the baseline.
1: Tell that to Alcaraz.
0: (laughs) Alcaraz kind of follows this theory. Kind of. And obviously, you get more leeway when people are threatened by your ground stroke, yes. no matter where you're at. Right. Because they have to stay back and deep to react, which gives you more margin for a drop shot. But, you know, and then he, he essentially said afterwards, don't just plant your right foot when you hit your backhand drop shot and hit the ball walk through it like kind of move through that ball and continue your approach behind it and they will put more weight behind that ball and carry it over the net. and he was just giving really intelligent advice and it made me go wow this guy's a good coach no he is for sure which we know that but it was really cool to see the coaching happen in a master class so the fact that he's going to be involving himself in the coco golf camp officially I'm really excited for her. I don't know how long he's been there. For now, it's just for the clay court season. Yeah. So hopefully he's put in some time with her prior to the French and maybe we're shortening that forehand swing. Maybe we're playing a little smarter, but I think he has the answers.
1: Yes. uh, I don't know if he's going to have the answers for Iga,
0: but that would be her quarterfinal uh, match if they were to play. Yeah. I was going to say she (laughs) might, to answer your question that you actually asked, Mm -hmm. I don't know if. Coco Gauff has been able to put in enough hours to solve that problem. Yes, But I think that her and Galu could work together to solve that problem down the road. Yes. So it's a possibility. So
1: moving on, this is a, a very unique and very cool story. So congratulations to Garbina Muguruza mm. for her engagement. She's been away from tennis, but she just got engaged. Uh, shout out to a fan uh, who actually gave me this info. But mm. um, this fan... Actually, was at uh, Central Park somewhere along, somewhere there, asking Muguruza for an autograph. He got her autograph, and then finally she was all, "Oh, he's pretty cute." And then they ended up dating. Uh, they courted, quote unquote. That sounded very 1950s. My bad. Mm. But uh, uh, they stayed together for a couple years, and now they're getting married. What do you
0: think of that story? That is insane. That's very that's very surprising. So you mean to tell me all it takes is a big fan of a female tennis player going, hey, I'm handsome and you're a good tennis player. Can I have your autograph and picture and your number? <laughs> uh, it seems like a, a long shot story, but that's pretty cool. That's interesting to hear.
1: Yes, I, I thought that was pretty cool. So, But anyway, congratulations to her. And now the Netflix curse. Arrives again. Mm. So we know the Netflix curse at Australia, where almost all the Netflix uh, people were out by the third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar story. We have Badosa. Wait, hold on. Timeout. Did Breakpoint come out already?
0: Yes, it's been out. Then the second half? Uh, I'm not sure about the second half. Because I, you the, know the first is... half
1: had, did come out a long time ago. Yeah,
0: because I know the second half was supposed to be coming this summer. Okay. And I think it comes out next month. Got you. Okay. Go ahead. Continue.
1: So we have Bedosa, who didn't play at all yeah. due to injury. We have Berrettini, who didn't play at all with injury. Hmm. Ali Asim lost to Fognini. I have things to say about that, <clears throat> but go ahead. Yes. Uh, I-, I might as well just say it right now. Okay. Um, Ali Asim, prior to the tournament in-, in France and Lyon, he ended up pulling out. Yeah. And he said he had a shoulder issue. Mm-hmm. Then uh, he said the night before playing Fognini, he had some sort of virus going on. Mm-hmm. And then Tony Nadal, who's his coach, actually said, you know, I've been more um, busy with Rafa than actually coaching Ali Asim. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a lot of excuses there mm-hmm. or not. But, and then we've got Sakari, who lost in the first round. Hmm. So, is the Netflix curse real again?
0: Look, I will say this. As far as the WTA Netflix players go, it's been rough. (laughs) It's been really rough since that Netflix episode or show came out. But I'm not going to call it real yet. But it's been rough. It's been very rough. You know, those players have not been where we thought they would be outside of Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz has played very well. And, and uh, Rudd, unfortunately.
1: Oh. Um, because of you. I mean, I don't have a problem with Rudd, but he's still in the tournament, obviously. He's hit or miss. That's what yeah. I'll, I'll say about
0: Casper Rude. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think that there's, a, there's an argument to be made that maybe it is relevant. Again. The, the, the Netflix curse. Yes. But with all that being said, I do want to say this. I don't think that Felix losing to Fognini on clay is a, a real upset. I would go as far as if someone told me I had to bet top dollar on which one of them is going to win if they're both playing their best tennis on clay, I'd probably bet on Fognini. Fognini did back up the
1: the win today. Yeah. He
0: won the second round. Let's not forget Fognini has upset <clears throat> Nadal, I think twice Monte Carlo. Yeah. Yes. on clay. So, you know, that's a player who does really well on the clay surface, especially because he is an Italian. And Italians, just as emotional as they can be, they seem to show up when it comes to clay. Yes. So, you know, to me, this isn't a true upset for Felix. This isn't a red flag or a a red alert concern. This isn't DEFCON 5 for Felix's year. I think that he needs to rest, relax, you know, tend his wounds, and we'll see him again soon. Yes. So, uh,
1: since we're talking about the WTA, I hate to say this, but we always see videos of Soccery and her workout videos, but lately, she's been struggling. Mm-hmm. So, I think she needs to put, sorry, soccery more backhand and forehand drills than workout drills <laughs> because she's struggling right now. Yeah. So, also another, another uh, person that lost early was Kvitova although I forgot when it was maybe a year maybe three years ago she won the Australian Open and then lost in the first round so that's not a big deal Mm -hmm. but Sloane Stevens actually beat Pliskova Sloane Stevens was I mean sorry uh, Pliskova was ranked uh, top 20 seed she beat her she Mm -hmm. won again today Mm -hmm. so what do you think
0: Uh, Sloane
1: Stevens has been struggling do you think she has a shot to make it semi-deep run?
0: You know what's funny? She does. She has a shot to make a d- semi-deep run. And I love that you said semi-deep because I think that's 100% accurate. You know, the WTA rankings outside the top 10 are wide open. Yeah. Wide open. And so <laughs> I think she has an opportunity here to maybe collect some points. But at the same time, there's just absolutely no way in hell that she is going to win this event or make the run we we dream of with certain players, like the magical run that happens. So with Slo- Sloane Stephens, I think it's good news because she did have a few rough losses here and there in the past six months. So this is good for her. Um, I will say this. She thumped her last opponent. I think her scores were like 6-1, 6-2 or yes. something like that. She thumped her last opponent, who was someone I wasn't familiar with. But, you know, I look forward to seeing what she has next going on. She's her play style is perfect for clay. Mm-hmm. So I can
1: see her having a again semi deep run. But moving on to the men, now before we get to the French Open, we have some Rome news uh still. Okay. So we have Pass, who his mom was talking in Russian and Medvedev is a Russian player. Mm-hmm. So Pass was trying to kick mom out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? So, uh, what are your thoughts on Fest trying to kick mommy out of the
0: stadium for talking Russian? Yelling instruction in Russian. Look, I will never be an actual CCpa fan. Holger Rune could still sell me over in the big picture. He can. CCpa I'm writing this guy off, man. I have to write him off. Um, I've always thought he was an incredible athlete. I've always thought he has a good game. I've always thought those things. But... There's just something so wimpy and lame about pod, You know, it's just, you know, whether it be Shoegate, whether it be him calling Kyrgios a bully, whether it be him saying Rublev has no tools, how did he lose to him? Whether, you know, it's, he's, he wants to be petty. He wants to be insulting of other athletes. He wants to make excuses he wants to be condescending. He has a superiority complex. But then when he's on the big stages, he buckles under pressure. This is a guy that, for me, is immature. You know, he has some growth to do internally. And until that happens, I can't be a fan of this guy. So, for me, at least with Holger Ruin, you know, he was like 18, you know, with these issues. Which is reasonable. So, I'm not Team CCpa I know he's a good athlete, but I will always bet against him in the big picture.
1: Uh, We do know that the top half of the draw is super loaded. Mm -hmm. Sissi Pass, Alcaraz, uh, Djokovic, Rublev. Mm -hmm. If Sissi Pass gets to the quarters, beats Alcaraz, uh, did he earn your respect? No.
0: No, he does not.
1: Okay, so moving on, we have Nori is still not done with the beef with Djokovic mm. uh, prior to the French Open. They have a press conference prior to, and he said, let me tell my side of the story.
0: Whoa. He said,
1: prior to leaving onto court, the we were supposed to be out there at 11 o'clock. He waited until 11, 14 with 50 seconds to get out. Now he said he was he was uh looking he was being looked at by the physio. Now I didn't know this. You could look at the physio for 15 minutes. After the 15 minutes, if you're still looking at the physio, you're disqualified. Oh. So he was looking at the physio for 14 minutes and 50 seconds. Wow. And then Nori said that's within the rules, but I guess he can do what he want. Mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar? That's what Djokovic said about mm. Nori. Mm so what do you
0: think about nori's comeback about djokovic very very interesting and it sounds like nori played chess he went oh you made that move allow me to retort with this move um unfortunately it ended up with nori being caught in a checkmate but (laughs) but um that really makes more sense because we don't really know nori to have a history of the behavior we saw him have with djokovic right so him saying, Hey, I'm not acting out of character. I'm responding makes a lot more sense to me. Yes. Um, so I'm I'm cool with that. I like this situation. I like what he had to say. That's awesome. You know, I'm I'm glad that he was just sticking up for himself and clearly rubbing Djokovic the wrong way. Yes. Did it bite him in the butt? Yeah, really bad. <laughs> he got spanked after, but But uh, nonetheless, that makes a lot of sense. And that doesn't make me feel differently about Djokovic either. Because this, to me, is within the wheelhouse of a Djokovic. Oh, big time.
1: He's done it before. He did the Dominic team. He's done it to a ton of people. Yeah. Uh, Let me read you the exact quote. Was that okay for him to do? Yeah. He also took 15 minutes to do so when we were supposed to be out there at 11. Mm. Uh, I continued warming up. I've never seen anybody, any player do that. I wonder what he was thinking. So Mm. that's what he said about Djokovic. Mm. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. So now moving on, Medvedev gets upset by the hundred and, I want to say 50 player in the world uh, from Brazil, opening up the bottom half of the draw Mm. big time. Mm. So again, we have Rude, uh, Holger, Runa, which are basically the top, uh, picks to make it to the final again. Yeah. As we know, uh, Rude had an easy uh, draw to go to the finals when he lost to Nadal and mm-hmm. the final. Uh, what do you think of Medvedev losing so early after having
0: uh, just uh, a breakthrough season on clay? It's disappointing. You know, um, there's no way around it. You know, I, I want to try to sugarcoat it because I'm such a Medvedev fan and make it sound okay, but. It's a it's an upset. You know, it's a disappointment. It's an upset. He shouldn't have lost, but it is what it is. You know, he's never expressed that he was a dominant on Clay, but maybe I was sold the dream. You know, he's had an incredible year of momentum, and he's coming off of a tournament Clay victory. And in my head, that's enough. You know, that's enough to believe he can make it to a final. So, I'm disappointed, but at the same time, you're right. He was my favorite for that whole side of the bracket. Right. With him mm. gone, yeah, Holger Rune and Rud are now the official favorites to go to the final game. You could bet more money on them than the other half of the entire bracket Oh, for like, sure. as far as who would make it to the final. Yes. You know, Rud, like you said, had this last year where he had a wide open route to the final, and that's why he's ranked so high now. Right. At least now he does have to play Holger to get to the final. So that's a major victory in the world of the fans. Um, they did play each other last year as well, or whenever mm. they, it was that that that
1: happened. Yeah, this is yeah.
0: this is different though. This is different. Uh, a new Holger is present now, so this time when they play each other, it'll be more substantial. Whoever wins, it will mean more. That's the best way to put it. That makes sense. Um, it'll it'll have more weight behind the victory. You know, last year when Casperud won, nobody thought anything. We didn't go, oh, he's on fire. Oh, he's unstoppable. We just went, good job. This time, if he beats Holger Rune on his way to the final, we go. That's the guy who beat Djokovic. That's the guy who's on fire this year. That's the kid who's the new big three. Ah, you know, so yes. So now it means something a little more substantial. That so, makes sense. So it's interesting to see what happens. Is you're right. The bottom half is wide open, but at the same time, we still haven't seen a true upset in the bottom half. So if Kasparu loses, which hot take for me. I anticipate he does not make it to the semifinals.
1: Yeah, I believe I said that as well on yeah. the previous uh, podcast. So
0: Yeah, I don't think we see him make <clears throat> the same run he made last year. This, this changes things. So, so you don't
1: think that uh, Medvedev losing in the first round was an upset in the bottom half?
0: No, no. I do think it's disappointing as a fan. It's an upset for fans okay. of Medvedev. But for the actual tournament itself... I did not have Medvedev as a favorite to leave with the French Open. Okay. Personally, I just, I thought he would go deeper than this. That's the main part that I'm upset about.
1: Got you. Now, the person that he lost to was ranked 172 in the world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, well, uh, Martina Navratilova, Ashander Rubin, had Medvedev winning the bottom half of the draw Mm. so he did his damage he won Rome he became the number two player in the world and now we have as I stated earlier pass, Rublev Rublev who won Monte Carlo Alcaraz won multiple uh, clay court events and Djokovic in one half of the draw Mm. so Medvedev did his job for sure yes he did now um Shander Rubin and Navratilova pick Djokovic to come out of the top half do you agree with that I don't. I said in the last one that he wasn't even going to make it, but. Yeah. And it's not because I'm a Djokovic hater.
0: It's tough for me. I would love to see a Djokovic Alcaraz matchup, but it seems like the universe doesn't want to see that. (laughs) That's what it. It seems like that matchup just keeps not happening. But let me say this as well Djokovic is steamrolling through opponents right now. Um, He played Fuskovic and. Out of the three sets, he won in straight sets, but one of those three sets was a bagel. One of those three sets was also a tiebreaker, and that set was over an hour. It was an hour and twenty minutes. So, i I can't put a real gauge on the level Djokovic is at overall, but I, what I can tell you can tell you is he is healthy. He's playing with health and a good mentality, and it will not be a free walkover for Alcaraz to beat him. So. I do think they're going to meet this time.
1: Yes, I, I agree. So now we're going to go to Kokonakis. I'm not a big Kokonakis fan. But, Why are you a hater? But, you know, Nick Curio said, oh, I'm ready for my popcorn. When, they, when he saw that it was going to be Stanimal and Kokonakis. But he won in five today. Uh, he was up 4-0 in the fifth set. Wawrinka hmm. uh, got to three. Mm -hmm. and then he ended up closing the set of winning six three in the fifth Mm
0: -hmm. now
1: he said i'm not making the same mistake i made in um australia when i lost to andy yeah i'm not going through that again yeah and he pulled it off yeah uh what are your thoughts on kokanakis finally pulling through
0: um this is growth you know to me Stan and Andy Murray, we've kind of had this conversation before, but these are both two legends within the same cloth, almost. Obviously, Stan Wawrinka had late blooming within his career. He doesn't have the amount of tournaments and volume in success that Andy Murray has, but they both do have three slams. Stan has a French Open under his belt. That's a big deal. And on top of that, Stan has won some five-setter thrillers, some big ones, including one against Djokovic. So... The Nazi winning this, to me, is substantial because after losing that previous one to Andy Murray, this was an easy opportunity for him to have an excuse and lose again and let's go, okay, he has a hard time in the big moments versus the names who have been in these big moments. But he rose to the occasion instead. Yes. You know, so this is a big win for him. He should draw confidence from this. And this is the first time this year that I've seen him win one of these type of matches. Right. You know, so I hope that the second half of this year, he takes this momentum from this victory specifically and runs with it.
1: I honestly didn't think that he would beat Stan in the beginning of the match because of the results he's had Stanimal on clay. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's a big victory for sure. Yeah. Before we get to the big, big news, we'll get to Isner. He lost in the fifth uh, set as well in the first round. Mm. And he's getting older so this could be his last french open maybe
0: mm-hmm. any thoughts on that yeah his career is very reminiscent of Ivo karlovich except for the difference is john isner is still a successful doubles player that's true so for me i think that his retirement will be a much softer less official and grand exit and we will just see him play less and less singles events maybe a few more doubles events before he officially exits the tour. But I think you're right. I think that we are seeing the tail end for him. And for a guy who struggles with breaking serves and consolidating on serve and stuff like that, he can't go on much longer always winning with tiebreakers. Right. So that's going to shorten his career.
1: Yeah, it was a little disappointing to see I was really pulling for him. Uh, But uh, yeah, the fairy tale is going to come to an end soon, I guess and he can go play more pickleball with jack sock hey so uh now to the big story which is monfise mm. he's zero and four in the year uh it was he was down four zero in the fifth mm. at oh three in the press conference he said uh i haven't won a match like this i'm a dad now i need to win this for my daughter well, apparently that didn't inspire him enough because he went from 03 to 04. What's up? But but eventually he ended up pulling the match. Yeah. That atmosphere was chaotic. It was Davis Cup and World Cup in one. Wow. I mean, there were trumpets screaming. He cramped up at 30 all, hmm. and he ended up pulling it out, uh, grabbing on to his the back of his leg. He was rolling up his shorts. Mm. I don't know how that alleviates cramps. Maybe you can tell me. But, dude, it was a spectacular match. Mm. What are your thoughts on Monfils?
0: I love to hear stories where the crowd wailed someone to victory. And Monfi is... look, Listen, if you guys l- listening to this episode are true fans of tennis, you need to make sure you have sat down at least some point in your life and watched a Monfi compilation video a best of Monfi video, highlights from Monfi. This guy is the epitome of entertainment in the sport of tennis. If you have friends who don't think they're fans of tennis, this guy will hold them or pull them in. He's, He's a showman, he's captivating, he's an incredible athlete, and it's gonna be unfortunate when he officially retires because I feel like it's really around the corner. But it's beautiful to know that he did play an epic match that was of this quality. And it's unfortunate how far he had to push himself to win it because things are not looking too good now.
1: Yes. And if and um, if you're following tennis, he pulled out. He was going to be the night match again against Holger Aruna. But he pulled out. He had a wrist injury. Are you disappointed?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm disappointed. You know, I didn't expect him to go in and beat Holger but I was looking forward to an incredibly entertaining match between him and Holger, and I thought that he'd be able to carry some momentum behind him into that match and show us what he's riding on. But unfortunately, his his journey at the French Open ends now, and Holger Rune gets a walkover, which means more rest, yes, more health, and an easier long run for him.
1: Yes. So we're gonna move on to some Federer news. He gave his verdict on commentating at Wimbledon. There was the rumor that he was going to commentate at Wimbledon. He had a Q&A session for his fans. A fan asked him, are you going to uh, commentate at Wimbledon? He responded by saying, I'm going to be at Shanghai. But for now, there are no plans for me to commentate at Wimbledon. Are you disappointed?
0: Very. I was really looking forward to him being at Wimbledon. Especially Wimbledon in particular because he had so much success there. So, yeah, I think that him being in shanghai in particular is less exciting but at least we know we'll be hearing from him so it's bittersweet
1: yes so we're gonna move on to djokovic news now prior to the french open he was asked about nadal and he said uh i can't fill his shoes for him not being here uh I, it's as if i'm not quote-unquote enough to fill the the crowd the seats for him And then he also said, once uh, Nadal retires, a piece of him is retiring. So he was asked, so are you going to retire later then? And he pretty much hinted that it could be possible that he could retire maybe a year, two years tops after Nadal. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at 2026, perhaps. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
0: It's very interesting to hear because... We know that Djokovic has alluded to him staying on the tour and playing for as long as he physically could, whatever's possible. But what we're seeing now and what I'm getting from this statement is that he's already feeling the effects of his age and time and being on the tour so long. But what's really wielding him forward is making sure he can surpass the big three. Right. He's on top of the big three and he owns all the records. And once he knows that everyone else is quitting is retired, he can do his final run. Yes. You know, that's what it sounds like. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. I don't like it because <laughs> I I wanted a Dolan Federer to lead those statistics. But it is what it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm pretty realistic with myself. And I do think Djokovic should own the majority of the records if he does stay healthy. So... It's it's good. It's good news. It's healthy for the sport. It is good for the next gen because I hope that they start to find ways to beat him before he makes his exit. And it's not they start winning after he makes his exit.
1: Right. And then the last topic for me is going to be Alcaraz. Now we do know that the Olympics are going to be uh, this next year, I believe 2024. And it's going to be in Paris. So he was asked, uh, what do you want to play doubles? And he was all, I'd love to play with Rafa. And then he said, Oh, okay. Well, it is on clay. Do you, th- do you guys think you guys would be favorites to win doubles? He was all, I don't see why not. It would be a dream for me and a bucket list thing to play with Rafa, but it would be completely up to him. Do you think that if they were to enter doubles on clay, would they be the favorite to win the gold medal?
0: No, I don't think they're the favorite to win the gold medal. You know, that also depends on who else is in the draw. But for example, I think Thanasi and Kyrios could take out Alcaraz and Nadal in doubles. And that's not to say that I think one's superior to the other. I just don't think that they're that special of a combination. They're two excellent, excellent dog minded grinder singles players. And we know that Nadal is a good doubles player. We know yes. that. Yes. We do know that. But we don't know that about Alcadas. We don't know about their chemistry. They don't have this long friendship or relationship together. There's no way in hell I'm calling them a favor to win that. It's unrealistic. Um, I'm not a dreamer when it comes to results. I think it's possible. I think they're capable. But I'm not going to bet on that. So, no. I'm not going to roll with that.
1: I would love to see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh. uh, uh Although, to me, Alcaraz plays uh, more similar to Federer. Mm -hmm. He's always idolized Nadal. So I would really want to see that on clay especially. And then, um, as you just stated, Rafa does have hands. Mm. So they could make a deep run, but we do have a lot of doubles uh, teams that would be playing. So it it would be interesting to see, though.
0: I agree.
1: So is there any news you have?
0: Uh, No news for me this week And I think you covered pretty much everything
1: Okay So normally I say I hope you guys were entertained But uh, a student of mine Passed away He was an avid listener of the podcast So AJ rest in peace
0: AJ rest in peace You were a good guy I did know him as well And um, secondly from there I did want to give a, a congratulations And shout out while we're on the topic of Reaching out to people um miles clark uh, a friend of mine he did play in the victoria club open over in riverside california this past weekend and he won the tournament without dropping a set and so congratulations to him i was thinking about doing a deep dive on it in this episode but i figured i'd spare that but yeah congrats to him and maybe we can have him on an episode soon. okay outside of that atp podcast around the post i'm your boy jay Mark Figaroa, we will see you next time.